1: Hey everybody, welcome back to The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Pirott. This is episode 357 and I'm here uh, once again with uh, Tree, Triolo. Uh, Tree, how's it going today?
2: Good. Good to see you again.
1: Yeah. Good to see you too. Uh, if you tuned in last week, Tree was able to share his essential of a youth retreat and I thought that was a great intentional time. Um, but I, I've got to admit, I feel a little guilty about my essential that I'm actually going to share for a youth retreat because it's a little superficial, we might say. Um, and that it, it's coffee. Okay, um, that that's that's an essential of a youth retreat for me. That when I actually thought about us doing an essential of a youth retreat, I mean, it was just my knee jerk was was coffee. But there's maybe a little pro tip that I've passed on to some people that has to do with coffee um, because. Tree, you and I both know that there are many retreat centers that have terrible coffee. And, and I can remember taking our youth on one week-long trip and just thinking every morning, this is the worst coffee, and you know I'm just drinking it to get some caffeine in me. Um, but I am all about the instant Starbucks. Uh, the Starbucks Vias, I think is what they're called. Um, you can get just a, a little pack of eight. And we would get these, I mean, again, they were an essential of every youth retreat. We would make sure whoever was doing, you know, our grocery run that they would get several of these and we would have them stocked up for the youth workers and you can get the, the terrible retreat coffee and then pour in some of the Starbucks instant Starbucks. And it actually makes it taste almost like a cup of Starbucks. Um, So that, that's my essential tree.
2: That is so good. Uh, (laughs) And I, I, I feel for you in the sense that most retreat places don't have good coffee, uh, mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily to their discredit. It's just not their
1: sure.
2: their priority. Uh, but yeah, I think setting aside maybe a few extra bucks in your budget to to get those vias is a great idea. I'm actually really tempted to bring my French press to Colorado this year mm-hmm. for R1M. Um, I don't even remember what the co- the coffee tasted like there, but
1: yeah. I, I don't remember either, and and it's funny you mention that because um I, I was at a retreat uh, actually Scott Heron who was on a few weeks ago, giving an essential of a youth retreat um out in Montana somebody brought, okay a scale to weigh the beans a grinder for the beans and a um, Chemex, you know, pour over coffee. So they had the setup, and I was thinking, okay, this is I, – I brought my Starbucks Vias because I thought, okay, I, I'm going to need some good coffee, but then it turned out, okay. They had basically a barista with them, um, and that was clutch for their retreat.
2: Yeah, one of my chaperones did that for Colorado last year too. Uh-huh. So maybe I'll just ask them to bring all that back.
1: That's that's a good chaperone, Yeah. Um yeah so look that that's an essential of a youth retreat I mean look some of these we can get a little more depthy some of these hey look this is just something really practical um I'll throw this out as well because I'm remembering somebody else did this uh, they were staying at a retreat facility um that uh, the one of the windows had you know just the cheap blinds um that you know obviously people couldn't see in the room but it was incredibly bright and so they would always bring garbage bags and duct tape and they would tape the garbage bags over the windows so that it could be like a blackout curtain, uh, so that they want to, you know, be woken up early in the morning. So that's maybe another essential for some people. Um, you know, if you go on these trips for a while, you learn some tricks of the trade and that's just another one to pass along. Um, tree look, thanks for being a part of this. Uh, for now, here is Dr. Fesco finishing up technically speaking with us this week. All right, everybody. We're back once again talking to Dr. J. V. Fesco about his book, *The Christian and Technology*. Um, I want to get into some discussion on virtual reality. Uh, you, you discuss that in the book, and I mean, there, there's so much. I mean, you talk about the automobile and how it has made us more consumeristic uh, towards church, and a lot of thoughtful comments there. You talk about the book, you talk about social media, just so many aspects, but. Um, it doesn't seem like there's been a lot written on virtual reality, not a lot that I've, I've read. And so I'd love for you, one thing you say is kind of a caution about virtual reality. And again, you talk about the good as well, but you say one, one thing to be cautious of is the technology drives a wedge between your body and your mind. Um, I would love for you to elaborate on what you mean by that and just kind of cautioning, um, the listener to some of those concerns.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things that we as Christians have to recognize is that you see this in the opening creation account in Genesis 1, and then, of course, later again in Genesis 2, where we are created body and soul. Uh, We have an immaterial aspect of our existence and a material aspect of our existence, and that God has designed both to work in concert with one another. And so the way that God has given us the ability to perceive the world around us is through our senses you know, through our eyes, through touch, with tactile sense, through taste, through smell. Um, you know, so uh, it's like I, I, I've i talked to my students and people at churches about this. If you know, give thought to the fact that why is it that we see in color, for example? Uh, there are plenty of creatures on this earth that see in you know black and white. It's like my son was reading an article. He's got parakeets and says, oh, parakeets, I think, see in black and white. If I remember what he was describing. And uh, first of all, I wanted to say, how do they know that parakeets see in black and white? Did they give them a survey to fill out? And it's like, check <laughs> this box, if it's black and white or this white, it's color. But long story short, there are some creatures that don't see color. Why did God give us as human beings the ability to see in color, but if only to behold the wide array of the beauties and the majesty and the glory of the creation and all of its colors you know, in this rainbow palette of all of these hues and, and different shades of various colors. You know, uh, it's like, I, I love Toyota Forerunners, runners And uh, I always wonder what's the latest color of the, the latest, you know, super, super TRD Pro Edition going to come out, you know, right now, Lime Rush is, is the color. So why does God give us this ability to perceive these colors uh, and to use our eyes, use our tactile senses? Why does he give us the sacraments why is it something that is physically poured upon us? Why is it something that we physically taste? Why is it something that we can touch with the bread? We can smell the bread. I don't know about you guys, but I, I will. Sometimes I will smell the bread. Sometimes you know. And then when you take the 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 the, the, the wine or juice, depending upon your context, um, why do you? Why did we? Why did God give us something to taste, to touch, and to smell when it comes to knowing who he is in his incarnate form, uh, i.e. as the son of God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, um, that should tell us that mind and body, mind, uh, soul and body are, are working together in context because we're in, the way I like to say it is we're either sold bodies or bodied souls, however you want to put it. So if we use virtual reality to, to too much, uh, then what we're doing is we're disconnecting our body uh, with the exception of just you know basically nothing tactile really, and we're making a world of our own construction. Now this can be fun in a, in limited senses. It can be beneficial in in for certain specific functions. But if we all of a sudden get lost where we prefer to be in a world of our own making rather than in the tactile world, in the sensory world that God has given us, we end up I think creating a context that is going to make us extremely vulnerable to idolatry, uh, where all we wanna do is to be in this world of our own making, rather than to engage with the the living flesh and blood people uh, of this world, rather than getting out there and sweating or grabbing a fistful of soil and recognizing not only is this soil Something that is tactile, and it it is something that God has created, but this soil is me, but I have been invested with divine glory and God's image, and he has taken the dust of the earth, and he has stamped his image upon me, and he is going to take me, glorified dust. Uh, to heaven. So, you know, it helps us to connect with this world and and to experience it. So that's some of the, those are some of the concerns that I have, you know, with virtual reality that we end up disconnecting from everybody else around us. Why would I want to engage with anybody else? You know, I'll just block you on social media. You don't say what I like. I'm going to block you. And then I'm just going to withdraw to my own echo chamber where everything is precisely to my liking. Uh, It sounds like it's an idol factory
1: hmm. Yeah. And again, I like how, you know, I've done and, and I'm ignorant here. I can't remember the um, there's some kind of VR that's on PlayStation. And I remember I played the one with like the lightsabers where you hit <laughs> um, the blocks, which was a lot of fun. Um, but it is interesting how you do get so sucked into that world. And you kind of use an illustration similar in your book where I was actually running into people and about to hit a table because I would moved so much. And, and again, like you say, that the danger is your mind is in one place and your body is in another place, and we were, we're not supposed to be divided. And, of course, that can be a fun entertainment. Um, even the escape aspect of it could be something fun, but you also caution there that we're just going to constantly want to retreat from this world and get into that world. And you see movies like Ready Player One, uh, I mean adapted from a book, that that is not an unrealistic uh, reality that we're we're headed towards, um, Scott. I'd love for you to jump in if you have anything here. Um, no, I mean my my thing when I think of VR, I'm kind of into crypto and uh, just the metaverse and kind of the future where it, where it's all going. Uh, could you give us just your thoughts on on the metaverse?
0: Yeah, you know, I I want to say that. One of the things that I encourage people to do is if if we have been created in the image of God, and if we have been therefore um, designed to worship God, then what that means is that we are hardwired for worship. And so that means that we can either worship the one true living God in the manner that he has prescribed. And through the only mediator that he has given between God and humanity, which is Jesus Christ, uh, and through the the means of grace, word, sacrament, and prayer, uh, and appreciate the world that he has put us in and created and to use it to his glory, or we will substitute the worship of the one true God with something else. And so I always tell people, we have to look at everything in this world in terms of worship. This is gonna sound maybe jarring at first, but the more you think about it, I think you know people will begin to see it. What, what the people at Facebook are is they're priests and their sacred space is Facebook. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to get you into that world to immerse you in it so that you want to be in that world as much as possible. When you look at the way that they design the search algorithms, you know, it's like, you know, it's based upon what you put into the the interface, that it will then give you information that it thinks you want, so that it's essentially a mirror. And so what's gonna happen if you immerse yourself in a context that reflects you and you only? Uh, and you accept whatever is given to you. You know, it's like it's like, do we fact check the information that's coming to us on social media, for example, in Facebook? And so if we immerse ourselves in something like the metaverse, which Mark Zuckerberg has said, I want users to be in the metaverse as much as possible. So he's making no qualms about it. He's he is not hiding anything of his agenda in that regard. It's like in that sense, then, Facebook takes on, I think, a, a very religious type of, you know, uh, uh, stance towards things. And you could say that you can either be a user of Facebook or a worshipper on Facebook. And what you end up worshiping is yourself, uh, and or only people who think like you, because those are the only people that end up getting, you know, piped into your your feed. Uh, What you know, however it goes. And so uh, I think that that's, you know, to me, that's very disconcerting and it makes me take a step back. And that's why I'm really on Facebook just to push information out, you know, to say, here's what I'm doing. You know, I'm speaking here. I just published this book or I just put up a blog post. Uh, I, I, for the most part, don't consume (laughs) on Facebook. That's not to say that you can't consume responsibly, uh, but if you understand the way, you know, study, you know, read the books, you know, read that one guy's book, and it's going to kill me that I can't remember, but 10 Reasons Why You Should Delete All Your, your Social Media Accounts Right Now. It's a great book, and it it's definitely gives you food for thought as to what am I doing with this and why am I on this. And maybe you just decide, okay, I'll use it for a few minutes a day. But I think the average teenage usage time on social media. Is something like four to six hours, uh, which is absolutely stunning. Uh, so we don't immerse ourselves in the Word of God that much. So if we don't, and we're on social media four hours, four hours a day, you know, 20, 20 to 30 hours a week, that's going to change us. You know, it's like Greg Beale, uh, who's a New Testament scholar at RTS Dallas. He's got a great title of a book, You you Become What You Worship. You know, so, or there's another saying that my grandmother used to say, tell me who you spend your time with and I'll tell you who you are. Um, you know, and the scriptures are very clear on this. The reason that Israel was able to see, but not see, hear, but not hear, uh, you know, us, you know, had lips but could not speak is because they became just like the idols that they worshiped, the idols that had eyes, ears, and mouths, but couldn't speak, hear or see, Uh, and so uh, we are, so we'll either, if we worship God the way Moses did on Mount Sinai, we'll reflect the glory and the truth of God, if we are in the presence of idols, then we will reflect those idols.
1: Yeah, that's very well said. And I have to admit, while you were talking, I was googling the book that you referenced. So <laughs> That's <laughs> <it's> called, okay. Ten <laughs> uh, arguments for deleting your social media, um, and it's Jaron Lanier. Mm-hmm. And I do remember. Yeah, he was on the the social dilemma, as you said. That's right. Um, and and kind of what you were just saying. Uh, one of the reasons he says to delete your social media is it turns you into a jerk. Um, according yeah. to Jaron Lanier, um, that's very so, true. So I, I know we're, we're getting close to time, but I do want to talk a little bit about pornography. I know last week you mentioned the unfettered access to evil, and you, you spend a portion of the book talking about pornography, and there's one stat that you cite. You say more than one in 10 youth pastors and one in 20 pastors say they are addicted to pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, I know recently, I think there was another article at the Gospel Coalition um, that said pornography has become a respectable sin. You remember the Jerry Bridges book talking about respectable sins, that it just yeah. seems to be so common now. So I'd love for you just to, to speak on this issue a bit, especially as it pertains to, to pastors. Yeah, you know,
0: I, you know, back when I, I was growing up in the 1900s, uh, you, you had to uh, either buy your pornography or you had to steal it, depending upon how young you were. Which meant that you had to have the courage to walk into the store, go up to the rack, grab the magazine, and step up to the counter, look somebody in the eyes, or maybe not look them in the eyes, and, and, and purchase, you know, purchase the, the sinful images. Whereas now it's just a couple of keystrokes away and there's all kinds of horrible, horrible stuff out there. And so that means that no longer do you have those obstacles uh, you know, that perhaps kept many of us safe. Because we didn't have opportunity. It's like when it comes to temptation, it's like sometimes you have the temptation, but no opportunity. And sometimes you have opportunity, but no temptation. But woe unto the one when temptation and opportunity meet. And that is so true today with, with, with the internet technologies that we have. And so what can we do about this? Uh, you know, First of all, you know, ask yourself anytime you're looking at something. And this can go... Even just to very seemingly mundane things like on news websites, there are some news websites that they'll be like, you know, so and so got, you know, this celebrity was pictured in her bikini. Oh, well, maybe I'll give a click on that. And I always say to myself, would somebody in my church, if they were watching me click, what would they think of me doing this? Mm-hmm. And then most importantly, what does God think about me doing this? Is this something that's edifying? Is it, is it something that is Christ-like? You know, when Jesus talked with the woman at the well in the Gospel of John, I can't help but think that he looked at her as a fellow image bearer, uh, as somebody that he looked upon with dignity, uh, and that he never lusted after her. And so, uh, and I would suspect that she was an attractive woman if she had five husbands you know so you know so there's that there's that aspect there he did not look upon her with lust and so uh, are we feeding that you know are we going to click on certain things that we shouldn't and of course if there's any type of you know you know pornography nudity uh sex acts that kind of stuff that stuff is absolutely you know uh, you know it has no place in the life of a pastor youth pastor you know preacher what have you and what i would say to combat that is you know it's got it's not just a question of fleeing evil we we like Joseph have to flee Potiphar's wife as fast as we can, regardless of the consequences. But it's also a question of positive displacement, you know. And it's it's I, it, I forget the, the theologian's name. But I think it's Thomas Chalmers who talked about the expulsive power of. Uh, of a new affection, which is it's, it's by seeking Christ more that ends up displacing the evil so that there's just no room in our hearts for it. We're not interested in it. We can walk past it and, and know that we're not missing anything. And so with that, I think that we have to seek Christ as much as possible in prayer through the means of grace. And then a third thing I'd say is, is, uh, is accountability, uh, in the sense that I think passwords, Can be used of the devil. You're like, well, I need to keep my computer password protected. Well, I would say, if you think you're going to struggle with it, ask a friend and say, you have right to ask me to look at my search history anytime you want. And, you know, please do check-ins on me. And you have right to ask me to do JPEG searches or whatever the, the file extension names are for the various types of image files that exist. And I would encourage this is to say to your wives. If you're married, please look at my computer anytime you want, and I want you. I want, in fact, here. Do me a favor and do some searches on it just to make sure that I'm not looking at anything. And you know, so those are some of the things I think we can do. So literally, my wife has complete and total access to my computer. We share the same password manager, so she's. You know, she can. She has access to every single password. I don't have a single password that she doesn't have access to. And I've told my kids the same thing. If necessary, take a look at my search history. I, you know, I want my computer to be an open book uh, rather than a device that I might hide things behind. Uh, so I think that's the counsel I'd give. And at the end of the day, if your heart is not in it, then you'll figure workarounds for those accountabilities. You know, you you'll purge your history, you'll get a second device, you know, whatever the case may be. So with kids, with adults, I would say it's ultimately it's it's a hard issue, you know, you've got to pray that the Lord, you know, Jesus Christ would give you the desire to flee from that kind of evil and that that his, your love for him would completely displace any kind of lust for anything else.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's very helpful, and I love what were you in the book, and that's growing contentment in Jesus Christ, um, and uh, so much of this, as you you talked about the expulsive power of a new affection and uh, drawing us back to Christ, because I know anytime we talk about this, it's important that we talk about it, and we need to to challenge one another, um, but we know that, that guilt and shame come to the surface, and so telling people to run to the cross, to look to Jesus, In the midst of this um dr fesco uh, again thank you for for this book the book is the christian and technology i'd encourage all of our listeners to go pick up a copy um thank you not only for writing this book but also taking the time to come on the podcast and talk to us all this past few weeks glad to have be on with you guys and thanks so
0: much for taking the time to have the conversation i really enjoyed it very much and i hope for your listeners that it's also edifying for them
1: All right, that was Dr. Fesco talking about his book, uh, The Christian and Technology. Uh, I've been talking uh, with him over the past several weeks and want to continue to point people to get that book. It was a very helpful book. Um, I know if you're like me listening to this, sometimes I get a little bit burned out on books dealing with technology, and I feel like I've, I've read a lot of them. Um, but this one was just really nuanced and helpful and, and very simple to read. Uh, so I want to encourage people to check that out and just to thank Dr. Fesco again for taking this time of coming on the podcast uh right now i have lynn and tree with me lynn how's it going Good. How are you, john good good tree you doing okay
2: doing well sir it's good to see y'all
1: good sometimes i'd just say lynn and tree how are you doing and then nobody knows who to go first and everybody interrupts so i figured <laughs> I, I would try it that way um maybe a little bit better uh so those who listen know lynn is in suffolk virginia and tree is in Texas, uh, college station. Uh, I was yeah, I went blank for a second. That's right. Right. Tree. Did I get
2: that? Brian, Texas.
1: Bryan, Texas. Is that it's close? It's essentially the same
2: Okay. It's essentially right. the same town. Don't tell people to hear that though. It's <laughs> kind of like Pawnee and, and Eagleton from, from Parks and Rec. The Brian, Pawnee College station of Eagleton. My students hate it when I share that, but I think it's true. <laughs>
1: So um, I probably just offended a lot of Texans, right? Uh, but not getting that right. <laughs> no,
2: no, um, no, you're fine.
1: We, we lost a lot of listeners there. <laughs> um, so uh, Lynn, Tree, thank you both for, for coming on the podcast today. Um, those who are listening, we might talk about a few different things here. Uh, but one thing we did want to zoom in on a little bit, we know that this is graduation season, Um And I'd love to maybe hear just a little bit about both of your contexts. They might be really similar in graduations. Um, But uh, I guess, uh, yeah, when when do you have graduations in Virginia, Lynn? Um, And are they kind of spread out over the course of a few weeks? Is it, you know, mid-May, end of May? Uh, Because Tree, it seems like his might go into June. But, Lynn, why don't we start with you? When, When do graduations take place?
3: Most of our high schools do end in the beginning or the end of June. Our homeschoolers are finished like middle May, um, okay. but our graduation Sunday and our last youth group is the first Sunday of June, whatever weekend that is. So then some graduations are, most graduations are the weekend afterwards.
1: Okay. Gotcha. Tree, what, what about you? When, when do you, your graduation? So, yeah.
2: So we typically end uh, last second or last week in May. So okay. graduations are typically typically around um, whatever the last Saturday, second or, first, second, second or last, second. I can't speak English <laughs> right now, the last or second to last Saturday in May.
3: Oh, that's like okay. right around Memorial Weekend. That's a busy time to do that.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I'm glad you got to stumble over that because that's, that's kind of the same for us in in Mississippi. Um, similar, just the the end of May, somewhere in there. Um, let me ask this before and to, to our listeners, we want to just talk kind of some practical thoughts about, uh, graduations and, uh, maybe what's worked and what hasn't worked in, in, uh, ministry for you guys and and trying to do graduations. Um, So we'll talk about some of the practical things that you guys try to do in churches, but do you both try to attend all of the graduations of your students? Tree, let's start with you on this one.
2: So my anniversary is typically around that time, so I don't get to a whole lot of graduations. Um, I don't think I can swing that with, with, with my wife. I want to put her first with that. So I, I've i been to a few over the years, but I, I don't always get to go to as many as I probably need to. Mm.
1: And, and let's, I think everyone, we can be honest that, you know, graduations aren't always the most exciting thing to, to be a part of that, um, you know, you a lot of sitting and a lot of names that you don't know. And then, hey, there's there's one we do know. Um, so I think everyone kind of, you know, is, is in agreement on that. Um, Lynn, what, what about you? Do you try to get to all the graduations, some of them?
3: I love a good shindig. So I don't go to all of the graduations. I don't actually get that many invitations to graduations, I think, mm-hmm. um, for many reasons, but also because those tickets are normally limited, mm-hmm. right? But graduation mm-hmm. parties, there's been a few years that it's been like yeah. that. Like, I'm yeah. going to leave this graduation party to go to the next graduation party mm-hmm. and try to learn mm-hmm. how to like nuance <laughs>
1: that schedule. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It was, it was always hard for me. I I would go to some for sure, but, um, it became increasingly more difficult. And then for me as well, we, we would have graduations that were conflicting, um, where, you know, two students are graduating at the same time and obviously I cannot be at both of them. Um, so there was some of that, but yeah, trying to go to the graduation parties, trying to, you know, let them know we, we love them and we're excited, excited for them. Um, but yeah, not, not attending a lot of graduations. Um, but I'd love to hear what, what you guys try to do to honor your seniors in, in the ministry. Uh, Lynn, you said something Senior Sunday, maybe just a minute ago, maybe just talk to us a little bit about what you try to do in the ministry.
3: Sure. Um, we, <laughs> um, on the first Sunday of uh, June is when we have our senior Sunday. And so a couple weeks before that, um, we still have a, a paper bulletin at our church. And so we'll ask, we'll put out, um, I think two months before June, we'll put out the call of, hey, if you've got a senior graduating from undergraduate or from graduate school, we have had one middle school graduation try and get in there, before, <laughs> which was fun <laughs> to tell them. We're so proud of your so fifth proud. grader. <laughs> um, but, or, uh, oh yeah, it was elementary and they were trying to come into middle yeah. school. <laughs> Um, And so then we'll go through, we'll have them come up in the services, Mm -hmm. and we'll pray over them. And that's when we'll give them all, uh, we give the undergraduates usually either a Bible or this year we're giving them Michael Kruger's Surviving Religion 101. Mm -hmm. And the uh, um, master's graduates or the upper level graduates, will give them Amazon cards um, mm-hmm. typically so they can get something that suits whatever it is that they've studied or whatever they want. Um, and that's mm-hmm. worked out well for us. And then that night is our last senior or is our last youth group. And we do a lesson and then we just have kind of a senior celebration, um, which this year is uh, our biggest one. I think we have seven active seniors in youth group. Um, whereas in the past years, it's been like one or two. Uh, So I'm, like I said, I love a shindig. And and we've had these students the longest. They were in seventh grade when I came in. And so um, I'm very excited this year to um, celebrate that. And yeah, we'll have a big party and normally a cake. And um, for the ones who have been really involved in youth group, we, I I typically get them personalized gifts instead of just the standard, uh, everybody gets the same Bible. Um, and so that's always really fun for me because the girls I really know, I'm like, oh, she would really love this. And I talked with their parents and make sure they're cool with, I'm not stepping on anybody's toes. And that's always been a real treat to give them something a little bit more personalized and um, yeah. just make them in that way for the way that they've been involved in youth group and important. Hmm.
1: That's really cool. And it's always awesome to be able to, to start out with a seventh grade class and to watch that class go all the way through. Um, that is really special. Um, Well, that's cool, and I do have to say um, to our our listeners. So, Tree was having some Wi-Fi issues, and and he came in. And so, could you hear the echo, Lynn, when you were talking? It was echoey. no, what
3: made me giggle when I started talking was because he said in the chat, "My wife is back up," instead yeah. of my Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like,
3: okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> so it uh, it auto corrected, and instead of Wi-Fi, it said wife. Um, so just, yeah, a little behind the scenes for those who listen as Lynn's trying to keep a straight face. I'm trying to keep a straight face. <laughs> All this is going on. Um, but tree's working hard over there when his Wi-Fi is not co- cooperating. So thank you tree for, yeah, just getting through the, the Wi-Fi. that can be frustrating at times. Um, but Lynn, that was, that was good. That was helpful. Um, and the personalized gifts that's, man, that's an extra step. Um, that, that, I know it takes a lot of work, a lot of time, Uh, especially like you just said, you're you're talking to the parents asking, you know, if this is going to be good or not. So, are you able to give us an example of one kind of personalized gift, or is that too personal? Okay, I'm just curious. What what what's one kind of personalized gift that you give a student? So
3: normally, um, my standard go-to for girls, I let John do the the guys because I just don't know. So, and that's (laughs) fine. Um, But for the girls, I normally they really have been into um, either those journaling Bibles or just Bibles that have like a beautiful cover. And Mm so I um, really enjoy this one girl who owns a small company called Hosanna Revival and there are a couple of other I mean there's lots of other places to get these personalized bibles but I'll I'll know some of the girls who really enjoy beach scenes and so I'll find I'll ask her to do a beach one with she'll put verses on there um, specific to that or that I can request and or the girls who really love sunflowers or some of them really like hiking or horses and just get that a little bit more personalized and um, then I'll, I'll go through and I'll, you know, of course do the, I'll highlight some of the verses mm. that have been important in my faith and I'll write in there. And this year I started writing on the front page. Um, the Bible is true. The Bible is good. And God gives it to us because he loves us. I heard a speaker, mm. um, at a camp say that one time and I thought that's brilliant. I just love that yeah. every time he read the Bible. Um, so I'll do mm. that. And then this year, because I've known these girls a very long time and some of them, um, have, I mean, I, I check and make sure, you know, like, did they just get a Bible last year? Do they have a Bible that they really love? And because I've known these girls so long, um, I, I, know what their Bibles are. And so the ones I know, like, Hey, I know you love the Bible that you have. And it's not that old. What, what's another gift that I can give you that would bless you. And some of my girls have been so creative. It's been so cool to see one mm. asked for a commentary. Cause she really does love her Bible. And then one wow. asked for games for her dorm, because she wants to have a hospitable dorm environment that she can, you know, bring what wow. like, That is. I wouldn't have thought of that. I'm glad I asked. So I'm excited to do that for her this year.
1: That is really cool. Yeah. yeah. And I like that you can just ask them, Hey, what are some things that you're interested in? And yeah. yeah. Um, that's really cool. Um, Tree. I- I'd love to hear. Yeah. Some of the the gifts and uh, as well as uh, banquets or, or whatever that you try to do.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've actually used Hosanna revival to buy things for my Wi-Fi. I mean, my wife. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> Nice,
2: nice. <laughs> it, it wouldn't be a, a podcast with me on it unless I had noises going on in the background. So, we, can, uh, but we, we do consistent. actually do something very similar. So, we do a banquet towards the end of May. So, ours is going to be on May 25th this year. And what I typically do is leading up to that, we'll do like senior spotlights in our, our newsletters for the church. So, I have the parents write up a little blurb about what they're doing next year, what they've done over their high school career, what they want to study in college, where they're going to college, that kind of deal, and put some pictures in there. Uh, and then we'll kind of blast that on our social accounts as well, just leading up to the senior night. And then on the actual banquet night, we gather everybody. We can, we invite everybody. So anybody in the church can come. It's not just for the youth. Uh, and we do a little slideshow. Um, and we have a time where I I ask the seniors the graduates to pick someone in the congregation that knows them really well and just give them some encouragement so it could be an elder, it could be a deacon, it could be their parents it could be somebody else that's just been really close to them so um, we we've done that and it's, it's been really neat to kind of see who who each each graduate picks because sometimes it's it's a it's an obvious pick and sometimes it's like wow I never didn't know you had a good relationship with that person. Um, so that's always a really sweet time. Uh, just for people in the congregation to encourage and love our students. It's always been kind of a really neat picture of community and uh, just God's church loving on one another. So I've that's probably my favorite part of that evening. And then I typically give a little four-part charge uh, to them at the end. It's kind of a lot of the same stuff that my youth minister said uh, to every graduation class uh, that, that he did. Um, and then we just eat cake and desserts uh and just hang out and then typically sometime during the summer we'll we'll have a time in a church service where we invite them up to the front and i give them a esv study bible uh, we're also going to be giving out Krueger's new book this year i bought i bought them in bulk this year
3: mm-hmm. uh, but in the
2: past i've given out just a random assortment of books I, I have a big collection of duplicates right behind me on my shelf so i i typically try and look for stuff Maybe not as personalized as Lynn does, but I try to look for stuff for like I think I think they might enjoy this book. Um, I've given out a lot of A Hole in in Our Holiness by Kevin DeYoung because I bought about 30 copies for a Bible study a couple years ago. and We ended up not doing it. So I had
1: <laughs>
2: behind me You're like I just got to
1: get these out of my office. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but it's a good book as well. So I, I try to give that out, And then uh, then I, I just try and find things that I think students would like. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's typically what we do. Tree,
1: yeah. Are
3: you not going to tell us what the four point the the four point charge it
2: is yeah one uh whenever you move into your dorm apartment whatever it is bring bring the bible in first hmm. my youth pastor Chris Decker uh, used to always encourage that to make sure that's the first thing you bring in uh, because it it typically will get buried in a box somewhere and it won't hmm. make its way out so if you make a make it a priority to bring it in put it on your nightstand put it on your desk uh, second, find a ministry to get plugged in with, uh, whether that's RUF or some other sort of campus ministry. Uh, third, uh, find somebody to uh, pour into that's older, not just mm-hmm. peers. Uh, so find somebody. Uh, I, I was encouraged to, to go find an old person. Uh, and I, I know that sounds uh, derogatory, but I I love, <laughs> like my best friend in our church is, a, is an old, older man named John, and he just loves the heck out of me and my wife. And I've greatly appreciated his friendship. So just finding somebody that can speak into their lives and encourage them that's older. Uh, and then lastly,
1: I, I was impressed. I'm, I'm giving, I'm giving you a minute to think because whenever somebody puts me on the spot with the, the points, it's, Oh man, now I can't think of them. So giving you a minute.
2: <laughs> on the first Sunday that you're away from home, find a church and get out of bed and go. Okay. Uh, cause if you wait till that second Sunday, it's going to be a lot easier to say, you know what, I've got some freedom here, but starting that, that discipline early is hugely important. And that's actually something that a former student, uh, from my first graduation class here actually came back a couple years later and said that was hugely impactful for me. Wow. I'm, I'm so glad you encouraged me to do that because it would have been so easy mm-hmm. to just start sleeping in on Sundays instead mm-hmm. of actually finding a church.
1: Man, that's so good. And, and you know, just that last point, I mean, Sometimes we take for granted um, just assuming what our students are going to know and what they're going to pick up, but being that explicit. And again, very practical, very simple, but those things can just resonate with students. Um, and even go back to your first point of uh, bringing the Bible in first. Uh, like you said, it's, it's going to get <laughs> packed you know, into a box and a lot of things on top of it, and you might uh, you know, just let it get buried and not think much about it. And so to be that intentional... So no, I'm going to take this in first, put it on my nightstand, and um, yeah, that's that's a really good word. Um, yeah, our senior banquet was very similar. Uh, we would, uh, of course, it's Mississippi, so we fry everything. So we'd do, uh, <laughs> we'd have uh, fried catfish, uh, uh, tree, you know, pins, catfish here in um, Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, yeah, we'd have pins, cater, and so there's fried pickles, french fries. I mean, it's the whole thing. It's, uh, it's awesome. And, uh, you know, we'd, we'd have the seniors, their parents, their grandparents would often come kind of similar to you tree. We would open it to the whole church and, um, and we would have parents fill out a form on each of their children from, you know, did they have any stuffed animals as a child? What was their, what did they want to be when they grew up? And all of these little, just, you know, questions that the, the parents would fill the form out and then they give it to us. And so we would introduce each one of them by that form. And, uh, Um, Sometimes we would read it before they came up and let people try to guess who we're talking about, you know, Um, which was always fun. Um, And so there's some laughter there and just some kind of lightheartedness. But then we would also I'd give a little charge uh, like you're talking about tree very short. And then we'd have the the remaining students because the whole youth groups there pray for our seniors. And that was always special, too, to have. Um, the students praying for the students that are, are leaving, and so it was a really sweet night, special night. Um, we would do you know a slideshow at the end, some of it humorous, some of it you know playing uh, friends are friends forever. Obviously, every every single video. Just kidding, uh, but you always have the, you know the cheesy graduation songs. You have to put in, have to put in the in the video. <laughs>
2: life is a highway by Rascal. <laughs> oh, there
1: you go. That's there. <laughs> and uh, Green Day's "Time of Your Life." Right. That's yeah. that was that was ours in high school. <laughs>
3: ours was photographed by Nickelback yeah age, yeah okay
1: (laughs) wow yeah sorry sorry about that
0: yeah
1: (laughs) um so yeah that was kind of our night and then we would do like a senior recognition Sunday and that was you know graduates from high school college and then upper you know med school whatever um but yeah we'd give um early on I gave uh Kevin DeYoung's Just Do Something uh, to our high school graduates. One, it was really short and practical. And, um, you know, I felt like it was definitely a right time for them to, to hear that. Uh, later, I know they would get uh, Reason for God. And um, we even had that. There's a book, I think, by Derek Mellaby called uh, Make College Count. Um, and that was, that was helpful. But uh, yeah, we've gone through a, f- a few different books. But um, one thing, too, you, you both mentioned Surviving Religion 101. And uh, just to let our listeners know, uh, that's a book by Dr. Michael Kruger, who's a professor at RTS Charlotte. Um, he's going to be coming on this podcast in, in a couple of weeks. Um, and so a uh, full disclosure to all of our listeners. Uh, none of us at the time of this recording have read the whole book. <laughs> so I'll just say too, um, those who came to our conference last summer, um, this was one of the most popular books we had on the book table. And I, I kept thinking, okay, I want to get a copy of this, but we obviously wanted it to be available for those at our, our conferences. So I didn't pick up a copy and, and they sold out. Uh, I mean, we even called Crossway and Crossway's like, we're you know, we're out. Uh, this book is just sold out. And so that's kind of my excuse for not reading it until now. But, um, <clears throat> I've ordered it. My plan is to have it read by the time Dr. Kruger comes on this podcast and, um, uh, Tree might be joining us on that as well because Tree had Dr. Kruger as a professor. Um, it seems obvious. Question: uh, Okay, why did you choose this book? Okay, Surviving Religion One Hundred and One. Um, but w- why did you decide this book over other books? Um, Tree, you go first.
2: Uh, one, because I actually really love the way it's written. Because if I if I understand it correctly, and again, I've only read the first couple of chapters, but the book is kind of a a letter to his own daughter, uh, essentially, because she's either at UNC Chapel Hill right now or she's almost done. I I don't know exactly where she is. but uh, So he attended Chapel Hill and actually studied under a guy named Bart Ehrman, who's a pretty big Bible critic uh, and and Christian faith critic. uh, And he kind of studied under him and now he's like a big, you know, proponent against him uh, in a lot of his writings. So he's got the context of of what it's like to survive in a very secular school uh, under very uh, antagonistic uh, people uh, against the faith. So I, I think equipping our students, and he actually writes in the introduction, he's like, this book isn't gonna keep you from falling away in college. Like, pl- please don't don't be uh, so naive to think that if you read this book, you're gonna survive. This is just a way to equip students for conversations and different topics that are gonna come up and ways to kind of navigate the, the college scene because it's, it's easy to go in saying, yes, I'm going to hold my faith strong in college. And then, you know, week one comes around and mm-hmm. that's already gone. So it I'm really looking forward to reading it. Uh, I've enjoyed the first couple chapters, but, uh, but I, I, if I understand it correctly, he, he is writing this in a sense to his own daughter, mm-hmm. uh, which means it's coming from the heart. So I mm-hmm. really appreciate that.
1: Yeah. No, that, that's interesting. I did not realize that aspect of, of it. Um, Lynn, again, obvious question, but what were some of your thoughts of, okay, picking this book for your students?
3: Yeah, you try and find something that's actually going to help them, right? Like in the season where they currently are, maybe not necessarily something that, oh, this is going to be really helpful for you in 10 years when you have a family or, you know, like something like that, which I'm not saying that people, um, you know, that that's a regular problem, but, mm-hmm. um, it is, so it is written in letter form to Emma. She's a sophomore at UNC right now. And uh, his goal was to have it. He was, I heard him in a, a podcast by, from thinking biblically, which is another great podcast. Um, and he was saying his goal was to have it done before she went to college, but he just made it this year. So, uh-huh. um, so she's a sophomore there and, uh, he remembers uh, asking and being asked these questions and, um when you look at the the questions that they are you think as a youth worker you think well this is what I've been trying to teach on since I've had these Mm -hmm. students right Mm -hmm. like and so this is wonderful that it's all in this book and from somebody else and yeah letter form that's awesome I think part of the reason why screw tape letters is so interesting because Mm -hmm. of the way it reads like it's Mm -hmm. just it feels a little bit more personal than, oh, I'm just reading this book. It's like, oh, I'm reading these letters that this dad, and he signs every letter, love dad. And um just to know from somebody who cares, right? So um some of the questions are, there are a lot of different views. How can we say that Christianity is the only right religion, right? Or mm-hmm. I have: uh, are we sure that homosexuality is really wrong? Um, how could God a good god allow such evil so these aren't even questions that just people going to college are asking right like it's just mm-hmm. a well we all have to wrestle with a lot of these in the faith and then the, one of the ones that's my favorite ones um one of the my favorite letters is my professors seem like really smart people if they don't believe mm-hmm. in this like then like i who don't know as much should i should i believe in this and and it does feel so strong because at that age, professors are like, they know what they believe and they're very convinced of it. And and it can feel like, well, if they're so certain, then maybe I shouldn't be.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: and so um, John, our youth pastor, he chose this book and um, I'm grateful that he did. Yeah, because um, it, is, it is very uh, relevant and good. And I remember now just even like thinking about this, it just came to me. I remember when I left for college, Oh, my dad took me in the formal dining room, <laughs> which like, nothing Whoa. ever happens in the formal dining room for like formal big dinner. Time. <laughs> yeah. And he brought his big old honkin' Bible in here. And, and he, my dad's six, two or something like that a hefty man. And, uh, um, he took me in there and he said, uh, he put the Bible down on uh, the table and he said, Lynn, this is the word of God it is true. Gosh, I'm going to get emotional. He said, it is true. And it is infallible. Mm. And a lot of the things that you're going to question you can find in here, but this is the foundation you need to stand on. And I just like, I just remember Mm. thinking my dad thinks this is really important. And at Mm. that time, like I was involved in youth group. I had just become a Christian maybe a year before and, and I was sold out for, yeah. Okay. I, I believe this. Like my father is telling me this. And I, so I think that's also a level of why I really enjoy the way Kruger set this up was because, well, my dad thinks this is important and my dad really loves me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I wanna listen to what he says more than these professors who don't love me as much um, or at all, uh, right, yeah. are speaking into my life. Like this man has the right to speak into my life. These other people don't. It's good for me to listen to them. Um, and so that was just a really important moment in my life. And so any you know parents listening, I would encourage you to, to let students know mm-hmm. Um, and, and reassure them before they go off like this is the infallible word of god in our city and our home right here and then just as much as it is in your dorm room and in the church that you might get involved in or the parties you go to this is still infallible mm-hmm. um, yeah so um uh, that's what our students are getting this year and i hope it's yeah <laughs> I hope- yeah, I hope they treasure it and read it. I remember getting my book. Mm-hmm. We got blue like jazz when I graduated. Uh, <laughs> um, and I didn't read it for a few years later. Um, <laughs> which is really fine I think. But, um, yeah, I hope our students actually dive into the things that we give them, whether it's this book or a Bible or something else.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's an awesome story to share. I mean, I got emotional as you're sharing that story too, of your father sitting you down. And I mean, again, just not assuming what our children, our students know, Um, being explicit on, okay, this is the Word of God. This is infallible. This is the foundation for your life. And, I mean, you, again, recounting that to this day, I mean, just what a lasting impact a moment like that can have. Um, And I had to just think about this, this book, Surviving Religion 101. To me, it just seems like the timing of this book is... Is unreal Because I mean, as you're, you know, have so many stats of students kind of, you know, grew up in the church and then they leave for college and then they don't return. And uh, so many kind of maybe popular Christian or those who have professed faith in Christ and kind of uh, deconstructing their faith, all the kind of deconstructionism that we're, we're hearing about. Um, I don't know. This book just seems like it, it's coming out uh, at, at such a, a crucial time. And I think, you know, the fact that it flew off our book table and the fact that it seems to just, you know, I mean, again, Crossway itself sold out of this book. It obviously is uh, there's, there's a market for this. Um, people are, are, are wrestling with so much. I mean, like you said, going through the table of contents, it, it's crazy looking at that of just all that he seeks to cover, um, in this book, and uh, the way in which it's, it seems to be written is, is going to be something that just resonates with students. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited about getting him on the podcast. I'm excited about getting him to to talk about some of this, and and again, just hearing him not only as a a brilliant professor talking about this, but as a as a father, um, as a father wanting to disciple his own children and um, putting this together, not only for his own children but for the broader kingdom, uh, is is excellent. Um, Tree Lynn, any, any other thoughts on this, uh, before we, we move on?
2: I can't top Lynn's story, so I'm not going to try. Oh, you!
3: <laughs> I, mean, I know. I need to tell my dad how much that meant to me. Um, uh, but yeah. I, I've been reading, um, another book that I have here, um, as we, pre- we're, we've been teaching on, um, evangelism and sharing our testimonies, uh, as we, you know, release these students and wanting them to be equipped and putting words to their faith. And so almost um, Christian by yeah. Kendra. Creasy Dean Mm -hmm. um, is another great resource, and I I would just like to emphasize I think the importance of parents believing that their faith is translatable. Right, like you're sending your students off, and it's not an an all or nothing thing. I don't think it's an well, they're going to either fully believe and not question anything, or they're going to totally leave the faith. And there's there's room. for them to doubt and work out and find their own faith, but the the parents' influence um is like the most important influence, I think, in their students' lives, especially at this age as they're transitioning um into adulthood. And so even I, I constantly think, how can we equip parents to have these conversations? How can we encourage our parents to believe that they do have this when they feel like my student doesn't listen, my child doesn't listen to anything I say? That's why youth workers are so wonderful because. You, my child listens to you, even though you say the same thing. Um, but just to encourage parents, like you, you keep talking to them, and then you find resources like this. Like even if you, as a parent, were to take this book and say, okay, over the next couple of weeks before my child leaves for college, we're gonna we're gonna have these conversations together right? Mm -hmm. Like use this resource. You don't just have to hand them a book. You can Mm -hmm. bring it too and say, we're going to answer these together. And we're going to have these conversations so that when these conversations comes up, it's not me just handing you this book. It's me saying like, oh, we've worked this out and we've practiced this dialogue, right? Like with sharing our Mm -hmm. testimonies, it's good in theory when you say, oh yeah, I know how to share my faith. (laughs) And then you Mm -hmm. actually say, okay, well, let's trial run. It's like, Oh no, 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 it's okay. Like I'm fine. Like I know how to do it, (laughs) but I don't want to. (laughs) Um, yeah. So I would just encourage parents to take, um, to be bold with that and take ownership in that and be encouraged and and Mm -hmm. resource themselves with things like this book.
1: Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And I think it's, I mean, it's so encouraging to think about all of the resources that are available now. Um, I mean, in this specific issue to, to, to parents of graduating seniors, I mean, Again, it just books like this haven't been available. And so to be able to to sit them down and to, like you said, just as they're getting ready to leave, um, start reading a little bit, talking about it, have some conversations focused on it. Um, yeah, I think that would be uh, time well spent for parents. Um, Tree Lynn, I know we're about to wrap this up, but before we do that, um, maybe in the last five minutes or so, let's give our listeners just a little bit of a preview uh, for a, a new segment uh, that we're going to have on the local youth worker. Um, the name I think we've we've settled on is entitled uh, "Rested Development." Um, so, so not the not the TV show, Arrested Development. This is rested development. Um, As, you know, those who, again, are on the the podcast team right now, we were kind of thinking of, okay, what could be another segment that we could have in place of Technically Speaking? Um, Again, we were going to continue to have Technically Speaking in future episodes because there's always going to be something to talk about in the realm of technology. Um, But we want to have some rotating segments in here. And so as we were talking as a team, we just thought, you know, the wrestling with the rest and work balance um, of life uh, for youth workers, for ministers, for parents, for teenagers. I mean, just the broad spectrum of, okay, we have a, a God who's given us a day of rest. Um, and in that fourth commandment, uh, it also talks about working six days. And so there's this balance to, to work and, and to rest. And so uh, next week to kick that off will be A.J. Swoboda, um, who's been, who's been on the podcast before? Uh, he wrote the book Subversive Sabbath, and so thankfully, Lynn gets to join me in that first segment as we interview AJ and uh, talk a little bit more uh, about Sabbath and work and rest and and all sorts of things. Um, Tree, Lynn, what are you excited about in this new segment? What are some thoughts you have about the new segment? You know, why do you think it's important? Just any any thoughts? Who wants to jump in?
3: Dree, do you, maybe it, I'm okay. I, I just constantly chuckle. Cause I think this could be almost like um, an AA meeting for all of us, right? Like, hi, my name is Lynn. I've been <laughs> burned out for five years, right? Like no, <laughs> whatever that is, like, I think this is a top, well, I know this is a topic we all experience and feel maybe a shame um, of saying like, yeah, I'm, I'm really bad at this too. Or, I mean, when I read AJ's subversive Sabbath and then John Mark Comer's, the ruthless elimination of hurry, Mm -hmm. there are these things that with a lot of other things as well, that you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm the worst. I am, I am just the absolute worst with this. And then you talk to somebody else, they're like, oh no, that's really difficult. I'm, I'm struggling too. And so trying to figure, trying to be a part of equipping others and equipping myself um, it's like a double-edged sword of saying like, oh, I'm really bad at this. and this, this is really hard. But on the other side, like, but we can do this and we have to do this because this is just as important to God as it is for us to attend worship, right? <laughs> like this is another form of worship is resting well and, um, and Sabbath thing. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it ch- makes me chuckle. And I just think like, there's going to be all of us standing up in this room saying this is me and <laughs> this is how burnout I am and how long it's been. And um, and looking for healing in that as we continue to navigate that.
1: Mm-hmm. And Lynn, some of, the, some of the irony, too, I thought about is, oh, yeah, these will start to air like right as the summer is beginning. So, oh, you know, and, I know um, worse. Yeah. and so and so it's uh, it's definitely going to be I mean, I'm thinking, you know, of our conversation that we've had with A.J., it's not just for youth workers. I mean, this is going to be a broad conversation about this topic, so it's going to be applicable to all. But I'm thinking about you know youth workers hearing this in you know arguably the busiest season of their life, um, but that that could be the, the time they, they need to hear this the most. Um, Trey, I'd I'd love for you to chime in too. What are some thoughts you have on this this new segment?
2: Yeah, I think this is so pertinent to all of us because we oftentimes will mask our work. Uh, with, oh, well, I'm I'm doing kingdom work, and oh I'm serving God. the Lord, and that's good, right? And it's wonderful, mm-hmm. and it's a wonderful calling, but at the same time, we're also human beings, mm-hmm. and sometimes we forget that we are not Jesus, and we can't do everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Zeal Without Burnout by Christopher Ashe, uh, on page 24, he writes, there's a difference between godly sacrifice and needless burnout. And I think that is such a, a chilling reminder to all of us that we can't go all in for weeks and weeks and weeks and years and years and years without some kind of rest. I mean, that that's why I think Wild Tea is such a life-giving thing for me is just being able to get away. And yes, we're kind of doing ministry stuff there. We're talking ministry stuff, but we're also just feeding each other and... Encouraging one another and just being right. Mm-hmm. I, I think every person in ministry, not just youth ministry, but anybody in ministry, needs to have patterns of rest and patterns of getting away. Uh, and I know that's probably harder for for very for different positions in ministry, obviously. But uh, we we've got to be able to build that in because we're we more than I think any other profession are 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 just we're gluttons for for punishment, right? We, we love, like, I don't know if we necessarily love burnout, but we are so prone to it and we're so blind to it as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about this. I'm excited about the speakers coming on and really looking forward to the content.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm excited too. And we hope that it, you know, serves the the listener. Well, um, you know, as you're saying some of this, I'm thinking yeah, another one of our guests is going to be Kelly Capic. I think that's how you say his last name. He's a professor at Covenant college. And he wrote the book, You're Only Human, and um, talks about basically embracing our finitude and the the fact that we are oftentimes feeling guilty about a lot of stuff that is simply related to us being a creature and that we cannot do everything. And so um, I'm really looking forward to hearing some of what he shares and um, having him uh, join us in this discussion because, yeah, it's again as just as technically speaking as something we we need to revisit I feel like you know rested development um this segment is going to be a rotating segment because we' we will not arrive at um you know a proper rest work balance and Lynn I know we were talking a little pre-recording um there's an article that's actually at the gospel coalition in entitled debunking the rest and work balance and so that's an article I want to I want to read as well um so we know there's yeah, there's not a perfect balance we can strike I don't think this side of heaven um, but by God's grace um, we, we can become more sanctified in our thinking about this and, and hopefully uh, grow in what it truly means to rest and in the finished work of Jesus and what it truly means to to work for his glory and honor and so that's some of what we hope to accomplish. In this segment, um, we've got a, a, several other potential guests that are coming on and um, excited about uh, getting into that discussion. So Lynn, Tree, um, thank you for your time today uh, to come on and to, uh, to talk a little bit about graduations. I know it's going to be helpful to the listener, but to also kind of tease out this this new uh, episode or this new segment that we have. Uh, so I hope you guys have a good day. Oh,
0: come and the wow.